Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, happy new year to everyone. Hope you started 2019 off the right way. Hey, wouldn't Bucks fans love to have the Chiefs offense or maybe Chicago's success turning around a young quarterback? Andy Reid's tree has been pretty fertile. His hot assistant this year is offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, and the Bucks. They want to interview him for their head coaching job. We've got some new candidates emerging all over the place. We'll talk about that. And the New Year's Day bowl games were entertaining. UCF saw its 25-game win streak snapped at the Fiesta Bowl to LSU. Iowa holds off to win the Outback Bowl over Mississippi State. Penn State falls to Kentucky in the Citrus Bowl. And Ohio State sends Urban Meyer off as a winner in the Rose Bowl over Washington. And the Tampa Bay Lightning, they're not going to lose. They didn't lose in regulation the entire month of December. It's incredible. Is anybody going to beat these guys? We've got all that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, are you ready for this A magical day on the river with the manatees? That's right. Uh, If you are seven days a week, you can experience the wonder and magical charm with Captain Mike swimming with the manatees in Crystal River. Now, I've done this. I'm telling you, it's incredible. These are giant, giant, gentle creatures. You can swim right alongside of them. It's the ultimate family bonding experience. You can ask about their $30 manatee bronze tour. Be sure to ask about their free offer for active law enforcement officers and U.S. military. Requires you to purchase two, two silver tickets at a regular price, after that, you're eligible for a free tour. Captain Mike's is the number one customized manatee tour company at Kings Bay and Crystal River. It's always 72 degrees in that water. It's beautiful. It's pure paradise. Ask about their pontoon boat rentals, their kayak rentals, their bike rentals, and so much more. You can book online at swimmingwiththemanatees.com, or you can call 352-571-1888. So, Steve, I hope you had a happy new year. I know you had some family around. We had uh, the big party in the, in the hood. All the hood rats were over, and now we're starting 2019. This is our second year coming up here pretty soon on this podcast. Can you believe it? Yeah. Have you screwed up writing a check yet? <laughs> no. Or do you even write checks anymore? Because I don't. Occasionally, but not often. Why? <laughs> Everything's electronic I, now. It's, just, it's the old joke always of, the first, you know, the, know, first the first three months you're going to screw up the year. Yeah, you do do that. You do. I'm having a tough time believing it's 2019, and then next year, uh, it's hindsight. But the the, the New Year's Eve has is, is become weird to me. Like when I turn, we, we had a bunch of family and stuff and friends. Uh, my family's out of town, but a bunch of my friends' families were having a big party. And I don't know if you turn it, you turn on like the, uh, the Ryan Seacrest thing, you know, right before midnight for the countdown and the ball dropping. First of all, it was a miserable night in New York City. It was raining like hell. I think they said um, it was only like the... I think 13th time since like 1907 that it's rained during the ball drop. Is that right? Well, yeah. it was pouring. Like Christina Aguilera comes out and she's the makeup's running. The eyelashes are falling off. It was hysterical. But aside from that, like I've, I've realized that I have lost all touch of pop culture until I turn on one of those things. You knew none of the artists performing. Did I you? didn't know anything. And I'm, yeah, I mean, if it's not like mainstream, like Mary you're not Mary a big Grande Post Malone or, fan or Dua Lipa. I had no idea. 
I'm like pops and buzzers, man. I've <laughs> got to get back into it with the kids or something. And I've got young kids that listen to music, but geez. And so, um, so there was that. And then, and then I flip it over to CNN. Oh, and doing, that was awful. Oh, my God. I mean, everybody's trying to get hammered on that show. Like, what, is there a rule? Like, does the FCC have a rule that you can... It's cable. You can't... They're cable. They're not regulated by the FCC. Oh, that's right. They are cable. You're right. Yeah, they're not over-the-air broadcast. So. It's, it's so weird to see, like, Don Lemon and another news babe that's uh, always on that I get my news from, and I'm watching them just act a f- complete fool <laughs> in New Orleans, <laughs> like, 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 you, like I would, you know, on, on, a, yeah. uh, on a bad Saturday night before a game or something. But these people are on live TV. Yeah, so we, we, we turned it on. My sister's in town and my mom and my sister's husband. And so we turned it on last night um, around, it was just after 11 o'clock. And so your Seacrest one and your Carson Daly one and the big network ones are all at their local news break at that time. That's right. So the only ones on are Fox with Steve Harvey. And we turn that over. And he's talking about wearing diapers and showing the diapers he's wearing as he's out there. Yeah, that's weird. So we flipped to CNN. That was worse. And we're like, what right. is going on? Yeah, it was a little <laughs> nutty. It was nutty. And it, and, it, and did you see uh, Anderson Cooper took like probably his first shot in his life? I didn't see that. I saw the headlines of it. And I saw people Oh, you have to go on it, the but... internet. Oh, you got to see it. It's going to become a meme. I mean, the sound he makes. Look, we've all... <laughs> We've all had one that uh, that's that's you know burst down our throats a little bit and can burn you, but you know what I'm saying it's it's just uh, it, the sound he makes is not human, <laughs> and he does it for like five minutes. It's just weird. I don't know. It was a weird night. The whole thing was weird. But I'm glad it's 2019. Everybody needs to ha- have a hopefully had a safe holiday, a safe New Year's Eve, a, a good New Year's Day, and you were uh, uh, enjoying laying around and watching uh, these bowl games, which we're going to get to. Uh, here in just a minute. So let's catch you up, uh, if you will. And I haven't had a chance to talk to you, uh, I don't think, Steve, since the, uh, the 2018. Uh, when Remember way back then they fired a coach named Dirk Cutter? Wait, wait, uh, hold on. Uh, the Bucks fired a coach? That never <laughs> yeah, happens. A, I don't know. Just every two or three years. Mostly two. Um, I was doing the math. You know, I've done this since uh, way back when. And this will be my 10th tenth, tenth head coach. But that's not... The next one they hire will be number 10. That's not the shocking thing. The shocking thing is that since 2008, there's been six different coaches. Wow. And that's not that long ago. Well, I got right? here in that's... 2010. Right. And so Raheem was Raheem the coach. Raheem was the coach. He right. was fired. So that's five since then. Then Shiano. Mm-hmm. Then Lavi. Yep. Dirk. So that's been four coaches fired since yeah, I've Yeah, you're here. going on number five. I'm going on the fifth going... coach since I moved to town. And you haven't been here long. 2012, so that's six years. So I moved here in 10. Oh, 10, okay. Yeah, the summer of 2010, so. Oh, that's right. Okay, so, so eight here, years. I've been here, this yeah, be what, eight and a half coach. years, something like that? Yeah, this will be their fifth coach in nine years, somewhere in there. Yeah. So every two years is what they're averaging. So it's hard to build a program that way. But they do have some continuity, though. Jason Light remains as the GM. Surprised by that or no? Well, I, I mean, we've talked about this for weeks now. I thought both Light and Cutter would be gone. Yeah. Uh, Jameis would stay. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, whether he's here just one year or longer than that, a lot of what happens this coming year will determine, and, and kind of what the new coach does, too, will help determine that. But, I, yeah, I'm surprised Jason Light is still here. I mean, I don't think the rosters is packed as everyone thinks it is. I think they have a lot of good receivers. 
I think they haven't done a good enough job at even trying to address needs on the offensive line and defensive lines, which I think the most two most important positions on the football field outside of quarterback. I, I'm just surprised. And his record's worse than Mark Dominic's as a GM. Right. Which, when you look at that going after five years, I don't think it's all coaching. I, I think the roster has some big holes in it that they haven't addressed and filled. I think that's true. And, and they've had an and, opportunity uh, with the quarterback. They're not paying quarterbacks for the last four years. So you're not strapped. You know, some teams are strapped by, you know, $30 million going out the door at quarterback sure. as you're trying to fill a roster. The Bucks have not had that issue. Sure. They're going to start now with $20 million, for Jameis and then whatever you're going to pay the backups. So I am surprised Jason Light is still here. Yeah, I think a lot of people were. I, I understand it from from several angles. Um, and, and look, I I like Jason Light and and I like his family. So I'm, I'm I guess I'm happy for him I, from a personal standpoint. But I can see where fans might be upset or some people might think it's the wrong move, just based on purely the record. Um, I'll say this: knowing the Glazers, it, if I really had thought about it, it doesn't surprise me. I just simply thought, you know. His record's worse than Mark Dominic's. They fired Mark Dominic. Mark Dominic was in the organization 19 years in one capacity or another. Um, so I just I just assumed, I guess, that maybe Jason would be swept out with it. Um, but then when I thought about it, the Glazers are the types of owners that really only want to relate to one person. You know what I mean? Like one one person in the organization that they have direct contact with. And so since I've been here, it's kind of evolved, right? I mean, when they bought the team, when Malcolm was in charge – Rich McKay was actually part of the Culverhouse Trust that sold the team. Talk about a little bit of a conflict of interest. He picked the ownership group, and they got a job with him. But he sold the team to the Glazers and helped them navigate some stadium issues and whatnot and got a new stadium with the tax half-cent sales tax. And so he became the GM. And, of course, having worked closely with him, they trusted him to help hire the first head coach under Malcolm and then that, you know, they went after Spurrier and then, and other people, um, and, uh, Jimmy Johnson. And they ended up with, with obviously Tony Dungy. And so Rich was the GM all through the Dungy years. And then, um, when Tony was fired, uh, they, they went about the business of trying to hire Bill Parcells and Parcells was going to bring in his own GM. They were going to bump Rich up to the president, which is what he is in Atlanta right now. Uh, and then Parcells fell through. So they turned to Rich for a little bit. He brought up Marvin Lewis. They didn't like Marvin. Rich was out of the coaching search. They ended up with John Gruden, but Rich was still the GM. Well, when John won the Super Bowl, it was over then. Now, John had complete control. So John was dealing more directly with the owners, even though he was a coach. And he brought in his own GM and Bruce Allen to fill that role, okay? And the thing about GMs is they have the owner's ears, right? They're, they're the ones that are talking to the owners. The coaches are, once the season starts and everything, I mean, they, they have very little contact and, you know, they're – they're completely engrossed in game plans and roster moves and all this other stuff. So they have they have a nine to five job, so to speak, and, and so does the GM, but he's in he's in the office in the front office more with with his owners. So if they did a clean clean sweep, there's nobody in the building that they would then appoint GM that they that they know and or trust, that I, I think. So in order to navigate this coaching search, I think they had a real need for Jason and on top of that, and you know, you can you can like this or not. They really trust Jason Light. They really like him. Um, and, and Jason's one of these guys that, you know, he would tell you, he would tell me, and he tells them, even if it's not flattering to him, that you know, here's a problem with the team. I screwed up here. This this is my fault there. 
Um, he's pretty honest with his assessments, even of himself, behind closed doors, which you'll never, you and I will never get to watch. But from from other people I've known that have been in those rooms, you know, Jason's pretty honest about his own failures. And for whatever reason, you know, they they also remember they also hired a search firm, which you know uh, is assisting him. So there's there's another layer of sort of accountability there and trying to research who the best candidates are. So um, that's, that's sort of, that's sort of how it came over. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. We'll see where it's going. I, I think this is going to be a longer search than we've seen in the past. Obviously last year or the last time when they hired Dirk Cutter, he was on staff. It only took about a week. He went out and interviewed for the San Francisco 49ers head coaching job. Um, and then he was hired for the Bucks. Uh, this is not the case. I think they're. I think they truly are got an open mind. I also believe that they're big game hunters. I believe that you know they they will have done their diligence, due diligence on the Harbaugh's, both of them, uh, and it's pretty obvious neither one are going anywhere. They would have probably called even Nick Saban again. I mean, this is just what they do, someone annually to see who's out there. And there's probably a surprise person or two that we won't ever know about uh, unless they take the job. Um, but in this instance, you know, there's so many people that so many teams, you got eight teams looking for head coaches and that that's not a good thing because most people, you know, went into this believing there wasn't a lot of great candidates. I mean, Mike McCarthy looks like he's going to go to Cleveland and if that doesn't work out, then he'll interview with the Jets. It sort of feels like McCarthy's going to be with the Browns. However, uh, the Jets have got about 10 guys on their list, including da da da. How about this? Bucks offensive coordinator Todd Munkin is going up there early next week. He's going to fly up on Monday and talk to the New York Jets. And Munkin, you know, if you start reading all these names, all these coordinators and different people and what their experiences are, don't forget Munkin was a head coach mm-hmm. at Southern Miss. He took a program that was 0-11, made them 9-5, and and won a bowl game before he came here. He's coached in the NFL for a long time. He was in Jacksonville, did a hell of a job in his first year as a play caller, had, the you know, one of the top – offenses in the in the league and set franchise records in all kinds of areas i actually think that munkin because he's been a head coach before and just like watching how he has improved players like mike evans and others um i think he'd be a good nfl head coach now i'm biased because i like him but um the jets you know he got a good write-up in the new york daily news which is part of the deal up there right you gotta press the media um but they have a young quarterback in sam darnold and they you know, had an explosive offense. And, of course, who wouldn't want that for your young quarterback? So good luck to Todd Munkin who goes up there uh, early next week. And the problem is that the Jets are interviewing everybody, so it might take a while to have this shake out. So with respect to the Bucs, um, you know, we've talked about Bruce Arians on this podcast before. I think – I don't know that they're really focused on him. I mean, in the beginning it made too much sense if he wanted to coach. I think what will happen is they'll give Arians a call and – at the end of the day, he and his wife have to decide if he's really getting back in. And, I mean, he just got out a year ago. And from what I understand, you know, they're living on a lake in Georgia, very, very happy. Uh, the wife would prefer he not coach, from what I understand. Um, so that's going to be a tough sell. I, again, I have no idea about Bruce. I think Jason Light will call him because he does know him. And Arians has said he will talk to Jason because of their relationship. But it doesn't seem to me like he's a guy at 67 that, A, uh, would be you know just retired and looking to jump into it, or B, that the Bucs would, would necessarily want because I would think they want to hire a coach beyond just next year or the next two years, you know. Um, and 
you know, he, he's look, he's walked away once. So you just don't know how long he would be here. So failing that, let's assume that he's out of it. Um, the next guy that's uh, come to the light, uh, no pun intended, is um, if you look at the Kansas City Chiefs and what Eric Reed has done, Eric Reed, what Andy Reed has done with the Chiefs and their offense, of course, with Mahomes and all those guys, you know that that sort of that sort of migrated throughout the NFL. You got Mike Nagy uh, in Chicago, and and that offense has taken off in his first year with um, their quarterback Mitch Trubisky. Uh, you got Doug Peterson, who was with, you know, Andy in Kansas City, who won a Super Bowl with the Eagles, and then one of Peterson's lieutenants, you know, Frank Reich, is killing it in Indianapolis in his first year with the Colts, and they're in the playoffs. So you, you sort of have this coaching tree that's very fertile. Well, why not go back to it? And that's what a lot of teams have done. Um, Eric Bieniemy is uh, the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. Now, Andy Reid does call plays, but that was, you know, that was also the case with Nagy and others. Um, but, you know, Bianami has been in the NFL a long time. He's coached running backs. He's been offensive coordinator uh, before in college football. Former Colorado running back. You may remember him. Absolutely. Steve, the Buffaloes. Now, I can't believe Buffaloes, you haven't yeah. done the Chris Berman introduction. Of I'm about to do it. Just jump me, but I'll do it. It's uh, Eric sleeping with the Bianami. <laughs> Which was an old movie, Sleeping with the Enemy. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, from the was it Julia Roberts? I can't remember. It was a long time ago. But Eric, yeah, Sleeping with Bien- the B Enemy. So yeah, it's a great nickname. It actually, it's one of my favorites. So actually, from him, it's 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 I mean, it's not it's not like politically correct necessarily, but you every know, every you know time I movie. hear his name, that's I, I think of. Well, I remember him playing at Colorado, yeah. right? Um, right. And but I also think of Berman saying Sleeping with B Enemy. Yeah. That was a good one, and then the, we'll do Berman nicknames one night. We'll just do a whole podcast. Uh, but the other <laughs> one, uh, the one that, that I thought kind of started it all, all for me was, yeah, Bert, be home by 11. That's, yes, that's that was, tremendous. Like, yes. you, can't, you can't improve that. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's perfect, which I'm sure I'll be telling my daughters, you know, when they go out, hey, be home by 11. 11. I thought it would be like 930. Certainly never by midnight. So, yeah, Eric, eh, sleeping with the enemy. So he's – He's the big deal now. He's he's 49 years old, and like I said, he's coached in a lot of places. But if you know Andy Reid's offense, I mean, look, the NFL is becoming that offensive juggernaut. It's not like the Bucs didn't have a good offense because they did. I mean, if they wanted a good offense, they would have kept their cutter, right? Um, but you don't want to take a step backwards. You want to keep pushing it. And, and so, um, you know, this is a guy who's going to interview with – he's on a list for a ton of teams. I'm saying, why isn't um, he on all eight? Well, he might be. He's on. He's on at least four of them, I believe. Right. Um, yeah. So, so I mean, he he's going to get a lot of run. And uh, well, it's not just right, that their offense right is so, so good, and that's all part of it. But Andy Reid's coaching tree is successful. Yeah. Like we talk about Bill Belichick and how great he is, but his coaching tree has not been successful as head coaches. No. When you look at, you know, um, Josh McDaniels and Charlie Weiss and. Now Matt I just Patricia to and Charlie Detroit. Weiss the other day, by the way, it you was did. Neat. Yeah, is he still getting paid by Notre Dame? I think. I think he is. I think he's got a check left or two. Yeah, he's like the Barry Bonilla of coaches. Bobby Bonilla. Coach. Yeah. Yes. Bobby Bonilla. It was Bobby. It was a Barry. Yeah. Bobby Bonilla, who's still getting a million dollars on every what January, July first, I think it is, or whatever. July first, yeah, yeah. middle of the season, for like thirty-two thousand. Yeah, it's like one point one nine million for like twenty seasons. It's 
freaking awesome, man. Yeah. Of course, a lot of players could have done that, but the way he structured it, yeah, was he just, just deferred brilliant. a lot of his money for that, and it was genius. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think that's sort of what uh, maybe what he's doing. But um, yeah, I mean that a lot of you're right. The 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 New England tree, if you will, Josh McDaniels who failed in you know in Denver, um, you you know. Uh, there's just not been and, and even some of the GMs have done okay there's more I mean Jason Light's a product of that New England system as well but but Andy Reid's guys are hot lately I mean if you're talking about look Nagy might Nagy might be the the uh, coach of the year candidate in Chicago with what he's done and he had a young quarterback that was really not doing very much his rookie season he came in and he and he turned that program around of course they're a defensive team but his offense if you if you happen to see the Bucks game when they put up 35 in the first half, um, they got movement and shifts and all kinds of things going on. Uh, that's that's very very successful. And then of course, you know, last year all Doug Peterson did was win a Super Bowl, and then you know he had Frank Reich on his staff, so that's sort of six degrees removed from Andy. But uh, Reich is now you know got his team in the playoffs with the, with the Colts, um, so it's hot. And you go to you know like I would have said. Without even knowing Eric Bieniemy was the offensive coordinator necessarily, I just said, "Hey, whoever the next guy with the Chiefs is, you know, that's that's where you should go." So, I think Bieniemy uh, is a good guy. Um, again, he was a player too. I mean, he was a running back. You mentioned in Colorado, he played for the Chargers, the Bengals, and the Eagles, um, and he's been a running backs coach as well as an offensive coordinator uh, at Colorado and with the Chiefs. So, you know, Jason Light has said um, the problem is that this guy is in the playoffs. Now, they, they don't play uh, for another week because, you know, they, they have a first-round bye. They host a divisional game January 12th. So he has time to interview if he wants to, although Andy Reid has said, look, the primary focus right now is the game. Um, you know, you would, you would expect that he would, he would interview, but he also, also has to get his work done. So the enemy is a guy that's uh, several – Publications have linked to the Bucks and say that the Bucks absolutely want to talk to him. Uh, and then, um, and then another name that came through by the NFL Network was the Vikings defensive coordinator George Edwards. Now, George Edwards has been around quite a while. Um, you know, he's also interviewing for the Chicago, uh, or he did interview last year for the Chicago Bears job that went to uh, went to Nagy. He was he was he's been an assistant coach. He goes back all the way to '98. I mean, this guy was a defensive coordinator for the Redskins, for the Bills. Um, now, of course, he's with Mike Zimmer, and I think a lot of the credit with the Vikings defense goes to Zimmer, and rightfully so, because Zimmer is a, a defensive mind and um, a guy that uh, you know always always had good defenses. So, um, but George George Edwards is is somebody else, and and at this point, um, look, there's there's bound to be more, but those are two I think that kind of tell you um, just on the surface that you know the Bucks are in it to find the best coach and it doesn't have to be a guy that's been a head coach um, doesn't have to be an offensive guy doesn't have to be a defensive guy I think they're keeping a complete open mind and and they should you know and and for that reason and they're very methodical now it's musical chairs because you know for example Mike McCarthy is supposed to start his interview coming up here in a day or so, I think, with the Cleveland Browns. And, and McCarthy, uh, I think, wants the Browns' job. And, and, you know, look, you got Baker Mayfield. you got a team that almost made the playoffs this year. There's some really nice pieces there in Cleveland. Uh, if for some reason McCarthy doesn't get the job before he, the plane leaves, then he's going to go to the Jets. 
And he's getting one of those jobs, you know, because Sam Darnold, you're talking about young quarterback, Sam Darnold, um, you know, it, it, it just makes a lot of sense that you would do that. Uh, and then the guy you hear uh, a little bit right now that's getting some buzz is McDaniels and the Green Bay Packers. And the reason that would make sense, I mean, McDaniels just completely flipped on the Indianapolis Colts a year ago, and they're glad he did uh, because when he did, they went out and got Frank Reich, and Reich has done a great job. But McDaniels, if he's going to leave New England, and there's some thought that he went there, you know, went back there to be the sort of the head coach in waiting when Belichick retires. But by the time Belichick retires, Brady will be done too. So do you really want to succeed a legend? Well, Brady's going to play until he's 55, so, you know, you've got to try. Yeah. But he may not be the same Tom Brady. So, I mean, you could end up, if you're Josh McDaniels, if you succeeded. And I'm, I'm convinced that Belichick's going to stay as long as Brady does. As long as Brady's his quarterback, I don't think Bill's going to quit. Think there's any chance um, both ride off in the sunset if they win it this year? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I thought that la- I thought that the last time that Brady won, I really did. I thought, you know what? You've got I thought it was possible now. last season, of course they didn't win it, but Right. But I mean, if they won again, yeah. I mean, he's Lord of the Rings. He's got 5 already. You know. But to me, there's no reason why he wouldn't. Um, except that he's Tom Brady and he doesn't have to answer to me or anybody else. But McDaniels could go there, and, and then, you know, it's just musical chairs after that. But, um, again, there's a lot of misinformation. You know, it's hard for us to, to weed through all this. Here's what happens, just so people know. Like, how do all these names get linked to all these teams? Well, see, these coaches have agents. <laughs> and these agents want their guy in demand, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to call them liars all the time. But sometimes they stretch the truth a little bit and say that this team has an interest or that team has an interest when in reality maybe they just called to get a phone number of somebody else. Well, you know? the other part of it is is they're all under contract, or most of these guys. The names you're hearing, so they yeah. have to be asked permission to interview them. To interview, right, correct. You know, So that's another layer to that. I mean, that's why there's some off-the-board coaches, and you mentioned with the Bucks, there may be names they're calling that you'll never know about. Because correct. they could be a college coach or someone in retirement that there's no yep. permission to be asked. They call, the person says, I'm not interested, and you move on. Mm-hmm. That's right. And you never know. You're none the wiser. And you'd be surprised by, the, by who reaches out. Um, and, you know, as soon as one of these – there's only 32 of them in the world. So uh, there's, there's coaches that have been out of the league for years that want to get back in. There's, you know, college coaches that are at big programs that – well, for instance, Matt Baker asked Jim Harbaugh at the Peach Bowl about yeah. has you know has anyone contacted his people? I mean, he just kind of shugged it off. I don't have people. They just you know, I just there's just representatives. Me. But yeah, he never answered the question. Re- he didn't say if he no. was contacted or not. And, and no, odds are he's, he's been contacted by several teams, right, including this one, which most likely I'm quite sure that that would have happened. It did happen a, a year ago, I think, or, or so. So yeah, I mean, but you know, also agents just want their guys in demand, so. They'll tell writers, yeah, you know, we're talking to this team, and maybe they are, and maybe they're not. I mean, I've I've had agents lie to me about stuff like that because they want to get they want to create a market for their guy, um, which is a shame that you would think somebody would be dishonest, but it does happen, especially to, especially the journalists. Like, why would you lie to a journalist, right? <sighs> um, <laughs> so it's it's a crazy it's the crazy season. Um, you're gonna hear a lot of rumors, and I I usually draw the line at you know if somebody has four letters behind their names. Um, like ESPN or um, I guess maybe it's more than four letters if you're talking about like Yahoo, but CBS could be, you know, NFL Network, that kind of thing. Um, I'll usually give them credit uh, and just, you know, 
let them take they they they're all source stories anyway but usually just say according to this report or that report not that they're always right but they're right more than they're not and so if you were to believe these these people and i have no reason to doubt them and i try to check with the bucks um that's sort of where they're starting now it doesn't i don't have any dates when these guys are going to interview uh but i think it tells you a couple things that again they're open-minded and and they're not necessarily looking for someone who's already been a head coach which is dangerous um interesting but dangerous but also not required because again you got guys like uh like Nagy, like peterson um like frank reich I mean, none of those guys were head coaches and their teams are all in the playoffs so you do, you can you know this is the thing like everybody's you know prone to say oh you go to a new coach it's going to take all these years and you know um, you rebuild and he's going to bring in change on the roster look there's there's coaches right now that are in the postseason that are in their first season John Gruden won a Super Bowl in his first season now he was left a totally different team I get that um, but there's always turnover every year and you just don't know look at what Sean, you gotta, Sean McVay's done out in Los Angeles Sean McVay immediately yeah you guys can turn hit, hit, NFL roster turns over minimum 30% a year, 30%. if not more than that. With a new coach, it's 50, and I've seen Lovey do 75 because they were so wretched. So, yeah, it's there's turnover, but there's also an opportunity to to get back in the playoffs really quick. Four or five teams that weren't in it last year are always in it the next year. So, you know, I I Well, and that's I the whole secret to the NFL. Without guaranteed contracts, right. you can turn – I mean, Gerald McCoy can be gone off this mm-hmm. roster next year. He's under contract, but it's not guaranteed. Boy, I mean, what about that? You by can the way? turn you can turn a roster over quick in the NFL, and, and Jason Light's comments on that the other day very interesting. Oof, did you hear that? I mean, we he was asked specifically about Gerald McCoy, and he said we have a lot of tough decisions to make. Never mentioned McCoy or his six straight Pro Bowls. Didn't say I can't imagine. I mean, John Gruden would have been like, I, I don't want to play without that guy. You know, I mean, I, I don't even think about playing without ninety three, um, but well, not. Not Jason Light. Well, we talked about it the other day and said, you know, maybe Gerald, no, maybe he's already been told based on his told. And I don't think he has, but based on Jason Light's comments, you'll wonder if the decision's not already made. Let me just tell you something. You've worked for a lot of, you work for a lot of people. I've, I've worked for mostly one person, but I've, I have been fired by radio. Not by you, thank God. But, you know, we, <laughs> I have been fired. Um, and that one, that one came out of nowhere. Like that one, that's the old soprano thing. You're in a diner and, you know, you hear "Don't stop believing," and you don't know if the bullet hits you in the back of the head or what. But, um, but, but in general, I think people that get fired kind of know that it's coming because people around them start acting differently. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, look, I've always said if you get fired, and, and there can be a, I mean, sometimes companies will lay people off, and that's a whole different thing. But if you right. get fired and you didn't know it was coming, then your boss failed. Right, that he didn't tell you there was an issue. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're getting fired, you ought to know that things aren't good, that there's problems, that, you know, if, you know, it's a failure by your boss if you didn't know it was coming. Exactly. Or at least a possibility. <laughs> you're going to drag me into a conversation <laughs> yeah, I well, don't want to have. No, let's not. Let's not. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's still a sore spot on my, oh, uh, I, on my I Believe end. me, I know it is. The only, the only sol, yeah, I know. The only solace is the people that fire me are also fired, <laughs> so well. they didn't make the they didn't make the best decisions either. I'd like to think I had something to do with that, but that's another topic. Um, where were we? We were talking about people getting fired. I don't even know. We we're talking about coaching candidates and 
turning yeah. an NFL roster over and how quickly a new coach can yeah a can new be coach can come. My my point is, there's a lot of new coaches this year, and there are every year. But and you could come in and win right away. Now, that hasn't happened in Tampa for a while. But nobody, I don't think, if you're from the outside looking in, that you're saying, boy, that's a complete rebuild down there in Tampa. People can see the OJ Howard. They can see the offense. They that wasn't smoke and mirrors. You have to have talent to do those things. Are they a whole team? No. They need offensive linemen. Sure. Nobody has five pro bowlers and, and, and their defense, I would say there's a rebuild on that side of the ball for sure because your best player was Jason Pierre-Paul and he's just had a birthday. I think he's 31. Um, so, you know, it's it's you're definitely, you know, with, with Levante Davids and Gerald McCoys and those guys getting up there. But Carl Nassib came in and he looks like a really good player and he's fairly young. Mm-hmm. You still got some guys that you brought in last year, Vita Vea, uh, his last half of the season played like like Vita Vea did at, at Washington, which is yeah. why they took him where they did. So you've got pieces here. You got some and young there. DBs you like that. Yeah, you know, Carlton Davis getting better. Good. Jordan Whitehead, the safety. You're Levante get David, Evans you like back. a lot. I like Levante's in the end of his career, but he he was a he was a wrecking ball man. That guy played his butt off last year. Yeah, and Quan, and it'll be interesting true. what they do with him. ACL, and I think Quan's going to have to sign a smaller deal if he wants to stay here. Um, but you certainly can can take a shot at him coming back. So you have pieces, you just need more, right? But it's more of a rebuild on defense. Uh, but offensively, you know, throw in a running back here or there, maybe get more out of Ronald Jones, whatever, you're going to be okay on offense, even with Winston's, you know, sort of inconsistencies. And then there's Jameis Winston. Like, according to Jason, he said, look, uh, you know, you might think it's a negative that any head coach that comes here knows that Jameis Winston has to be their quarterback. In other words, they don't have a say. It's like, no, no, we're going to hire you, but you have to take number three over here for at least a year and try to save him. And that might be a turnoff for some guys. I don't know. Not according to Jason Light. Jason Light says, mm, not if you get, not if you hear the calls that I get, you know. And I think, I think the people that are calling probably know the answer to the test. I mean, it's no secret that they're, they're going to give him a fifth year. They want him to play. So you'd have to have some, you know, a pretty big damn resume and, you know, a lot of street cred to get them to release Jameis Winston for you. So I don't know what name coach that could be, but it'd be a pretty famous guy. Um, but then there, there, there are some that think, you know what, Jameis did get better. I think I saw a stat, and I haven't added him up yet, but like after his benching when he came back, he had like 13 touchdowns, I think, and maybe one or two interceptions, something like that. I mean, so he had a really good interception, uh, touchdown interception ratio. Um, so, you know, he's getting better in some areas, and, and it'll be up to a new coach to try to be that new voice for him. So I think we'll be talking a lot about coaching and a lot about the Bucks as we go forward and uh we'll try to keep keep you guys up to date here on uh on sports day tampa bay meanwhile we had a lot of bowl games man how many of these did you watch did you uh i know you had family did you have a chance to see any of them live i watched no? the parts of uh pretty much all of them on the new yeah. year's day and actually we had some decent bowl games i mean the, the bowl season hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Season as a whole has been kind of a dud. As far as a lot of blowouts, a lot of 20-plus point margins, but... New Year's Day was actually was uh, 
a lot closer games. I mean, some of them ended up closer late. I mean, Penn State was struggling with Kentucky for a long time and came back Penn late. Penn State should have won that game. They really should have. I, I can't believe they kicked the field goal. What are you doing? What, what, it's what a bowl. Is, it's is, a bowl game. What do you? What do you? I mean, James Franklin. Can I just say this? Like Franklin, for all the run that he gets as a recruiter, maybe he's the best damn recruiter in in in, in, in the world. I guess I don't know. He's got to be the worst game day coach I've ever seen. I mean, you remember the fourth down a year? Was it this year or a year ago um, that he went for and and took the ball out of McSorley's hands and um, cost them maybe a chance to to be in the final four? I don't even remember what it was, but. He just makes blunders like this, and you're right. A bowl game, you're playing, you're playing Kentucky for God's sakes. I mean, the one thing about you know bowl I mean? games is you take more risks. You're, you're more trick plays, right. more fake punts, more. I mean, because at the end of the day, you're not losing Doesn't a conference matter. championship over right. this. You're not. I mean, unless it's right. the college football semifinals, that's different. But otherwise, right. take a chance and go for the win. I guess James Franklin would be that's a good you. NFL coach. I guess. I mean, I don't know who he thought he was playing, like John Calipari or something. I mean, this is, you know, Kentucky football. I mean, they, they had a really good year, but it's not like you're in a, you need to fear them. Just go for it. I don't know. He Anyway, so that that was a disappointment uh, if you're a Penn State fan. Um, the Outback Bowl was pretty competitive. Iowa hung on to that one. They were, you know, he had a, Mississippi State was driving at the end, and they stopped them on four downs deep in their own territory. So that was kind of a cool ending. And then uh, And then the Ohio State. Send off for Urban Meyer. Oh my God, Tom Rinaldi, what they make you do. I mean, Tom Rinaldi, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to his master's coverage and the piano that, that you know, usually he has to carry around <laughs> with him to do his interviews with. Um, but they have latched him on to Urban Meyer like nobody's business, right? He's like he's like Urban is is like what Tiger Woods was to what the, Tiger Woods is to Tom Rinaldi in college football. And from the time like the dude landed in Southern California, Ronaldi has had a camera crew attached to the hip of Urban Meyer, who you can tell is just getting annoyed by it all. But like Urban gets there, I don't know, five, six hours before the game, whatever it was. There's not a soul in the stands and probably not even a groundskeeper. And he walks out and these people are tripping over each other, trying to film him. And Urban Meyer comes out of the Rose Bowl just to soak it in. As he looks you over the Jim Nance. Gabriel Mountains. I know I'm doing Jim Nance. But it's, it's unbelievable. It's like, Urban, what are you feeling right now? He says, uh, feeling like I could use a sandwich, um, maybe, maybe some water. I, it was unbelievable. I really thought for a minute that this was and – and, look, I remember I was a kid when this happened, but, like, when Bear Bryant coached this last game, which was at the Liberty Bowl, by the way, that doesn't make any sense that a great coach like Bear Bryant went out on the shoulders of his players – in Memphis at the Liberty Bowl, but it was true. Um, but at least Urban Meyer, is his, it's his first trip to the Rose Bowl and his last game. What are you thinking about more? I'm thinking about beating the crap out of, uh, you know, this team over here from uh, Washington, if, that, if you want to be honest. I mean, Urban played it pretty straight. He didn't get caught up in all the sentimental mentality that they wanted him to. But it was such overkill to me. And it, it's just at some point I wanted to scream, do you know why he's really leaving? <laughs> It's not the headaches, okay? It's just part of it. And God forbid something happened to Urban Meyer. I'm not risking that on anybody. And, and yes, he does have, uh, a, you know, some kind of a, of a cyst or whatever in his in his brain. I'm sure it can't be comfortable. But there was this whole scandal. Are we just forgetting about this now? Are we just forgetting well, of course. this guy was suspended for three games. Are we forgetting that, you know, 
he basically didn't report any domestic abuse and kept the domestic abuser on his team. I mean, I don't know. I'm not I'm not the biggest Urban Meyer fan. I can tell you that right now. But like the way they were playing this up about him coaching his last game was incredible to me. If you remember during the Ohio State Michigan game, Gus Johnson starts saying, you know, oh. a lot of people owe him apologies for what was written. I'm uh, like, apologies, really? I don't remember anything that. I mean, I don't remember I mean, anything that was written that deserves an apology. I mean, no, no one's criticizing his health, right? And, and that's not what anybody was writing about. That's not. And what he, he was and he about. is and he has said by the way that it's not 100 percent health. Like people have asked him. Hey, is it, is it, you know, what, how much of it is healthy? Because it's a part of it. How much is, is it? Uh, it's a part of it too. There's no one thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. he can't say that. And oh, by the way, you'd have to put in that cocktail what happened, you know, this year with this suspension and the whole deal. So, and, and the other thing that people aren't saying is the guy's one of the greatest coaches who ever lived. Okay. Phenomenal. He's, he's, phenomenal. Arugula. Yeah. His, his whole, his whole legacy is cemented. I mean, he, he, you know, he's got the hardware, man. There's just you know look him, what he Nick did at Saban. Bowling Green, at Utah, at Florida, <laughs> at Ohio State, I mean, yeah. everywhere he goes. Well, I know this. He won national championships in in Florida and Ohio State, so not many guys have done that, right? Two mm-hmm. different programs. Um, so give him his due, and I, I have no trouble. And in fact, if not for the crappy system that they have right now with this, you know, these four teams, Ohio State, even though they you know tried to lose to Maryland at the end. Ohio State deserved to be, you know, sort of in the mix. They, if you were going to tell me today what we know, Notre Dame wasn't a very good team, okay? Notre Dame ran the table, and it wasn't their fault that the teams they played sucked that year. But that was they're not on the same par with Clemson and Alabama and them. You know who is? Ohio State. Ohio State is right there with every with with Clemson. Oh, and I, with, I, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Georgia. Alabama. I think Georgia probably Georgia deserved to be in over Notre Georgia Dame. Georgia is too. If you yeah. really want to go on, who was the best team? If you took the eye test of it. Right, I think Georgia, I think Ohio State would have been on the outside looking in had Notre Dame lost. They would have been fifth. Right. So I think Georgia would have taken fourth. And I mean, I know like you lose, you lose late. Who you lose to? What? I mean, the, I understand how they do this, but um, well, part the, of the, the eye test is, was there was a good chunk of the middle part of the season. Ohio State looked pretty they looked pedestrian, pretty, pretty pedestrian yeah. against less than pedestrian opponents. I know, and you've got you're supposed to beat the crap out of teams, and they they should have lost to Maryland. They you know they lost in overtime because they went for two and didn't get it. Maryland did. I mean they they had some they had some moments right, and we remember Herb you know on his knees grabbing his head and all that stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, you know how many games they lost? One. One. It was a bad loss. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But they lost one, and they they could have hung. And, and the thing is. What I like about what it would be good about a playoffs is Notre Dame or uh, Ohio State started playing really really good these last few weeks. Yes, um, I mean they were they were a, they're a train right now. You know their quarterback threw fifty touchdowns this year. Um, well, Matt, ba- Matt Baker always talks about who's got more dudes. Yeah, they That's got more dudes. Does. Look, Alabama yeah. and Clemson have the most dudes. Ohio State's got the next. Yeah, that, I mean that's and it's been that way in college football for several years now. Mm-hmm. Those three teams have the most dudes. Yeah. Absolutely. No, Ohio State at times didn't play that well like they had the most dudes this no, year. No, they didn't. But, they but didn't of late, up. they turned it on. They turned it on, and you can tell that they're a program. You know, they're a program. We got a program, right? Mm-hmm. When you say we got a program, Alabama, that's a program. Clemson, program, right? Ohio State, program. You know, I even say, you know, Oklahoma's getting back to where they used to be, but they're not, they're not necessarily there yet. Um, back in the day, Miami 
They got a lot. They got a lot of offensive dudes. They need some defensive. They dudes. do. Yeah. Speaking of dudes, I'm watching the uh, as we're doing this podcast. You know, I'm watching the uh, what bowl game is this? The this Sugar Bowl, the Georgia, Texas. Sugar bowl. Yeah, Georgia, Texas. And you know who's on the sideline for Texas? Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. That's right, Matthew McConaughey. Think you drove a Lincoln there? <laughs> I don't know. I think the Lincoln drove him there. <laughs> apparently, apparently the Navigator now no, actually true. drives itself. <laughs> you know, I just want to know what poker game he's going to in that suit, because I have poker games down the hall. We don't dress like that. No, you know? no, that must be a seriously high high. Gonna play some cards tonight. I'm gonna win. I'm gonna win big. I'm gonna get my Navigator. It's gonna drive me there. I'm not gonna drink anything. All right, all right, all right. Go Longhorns. Um. Anyway, where were we? So yeah, so we got Herb. I wrapped him a little bit. Sorry. Uh, we'll see if he pops up someplace like I don't know Notre Dame. Hey, the Glazers could be talking to him for all you know. Well, I'm not that far out of the loop, but I guess it's possible. <laughs> oh, I bet Jeez. they put. I bet they placed a call. Wouldn't you? I, yeah, absolutely, I would. I would. I'm going to make a prediction. You ready for this? If they're headhunters and didn't make a call, then they're not doing a very good job. I know. I'll say this. I know that in my heart of hearts, in a world, as I look forward, that Urban Meyer is going to coach in college football again. This is not the last job for him. You don't think he goes pro? No. I know the next job he gets. And it'd probably be sooner than later. Hell, it could be next year. Next job. But I know the one he's going to get. There's no no question in my mind what job he's going to have. Notre Dame. You got it. Dun, now, Brian dun, Kelly dun, going 13-0 and doesn't – or 12-0 before – or what? Think, yeah. 11-0 and before the championship this You year. think that's happening? Well, but I mean, I, I think Brian Kelly was on the hot seat before this season. Oh, he was, but Brian Kelly knows something that everybody else should know, and that is they're not doing that again. Not anytime soon. And, oh, by the way, even if they did, no one's buying them as a, as a you know, a legitimate contender because twice now – They've gotten the crap knocked out of them by other other programs. So I think Brian Kelly, I think there's Brian Kelly fatigue in South Bend. Am I wrong about that? You think he goes pro this year? Mm, no one's talking about him, but... In the past, he's always been rumored for a possible NFL job. Well, he has said, I mean, he has kind of let people know that he would like to take a shot at it one day. I can't think of a... Can you think of a better time after coming off a 13-0 season, you know, getting getting the crap kicked out of you in the semifinal notwithstanding. Can you think of a better time for Brian Kelly to move, make the move with eight jobs available? I would think this would be the year you would do it. Right? I'd be telling – if I'm if I'm his agent, David Dunn or whoever it is, I'm telling people, he, I'm telling people hey, you can have my boy. He wants to come to the NFL, whisper, whisper. But with no buzz about it, is there any interest, you wonder? But you can't have a buzz about it because with these college coaches – and you may be right. Maybe the FLs looked at it and said, "Nah." But I mean, signing days over now is when you know. But that's you, when you, you could do hear it. some buzz this week. Not, not yeah. You weren't going to hear it three weeks ago. No, but that's why they you know they moved signing day up just for this very reason because it used to fall in the very time when the NFL season ended, and then there would be these couple weeks where yeah, because signing days are early February. Up, you're yeah, you're wrapping up recruiting, and NFL jobs are coming open, and all you need is one story. That says some NFL teams talking to you, and there goes the class, whether you're going to take the job or not. So it's the same thing with Chip Kelly when he was going to come here. They had, he had like four hours 
Once the word got out, in four hours he's going to lose his entire recruiting class. Now at least the early signing period is over. You know, a lot of the, mm-hmm. the top blue chip guys have already committed. Not that they can't decommit, but they have committed. Right. Well, so it's a good thing those like... it's a good thing those kids went to college for the education. So, <laughs> well, they did. <laughs> what did you say? What were you saying? They, you're suggesting they didn't go for the education? No, I'm saying they move signing day up so the kids are locked in, and then the coach leaves. Oh, I know. Well, I'm saying you know, such... way to think of the kids. It's insane. <laughs> they don't. Yeah, it's no. I mean, I'm agreeing with you on this point of you know. I mean, it's how, all about, about the kids. how about it's all about how the about kids. the guy that how about the guy that that uh, went to Temple. Just had a great recruiting yeah, class. Yeah, Manny and Diaz. Left his, we talked about Manny, you know, him, the defense coordinator getting, yeah. That goes to Temple, and three weeks later, he's gone. I mean, he literally just got to Temple, recruited a whole class, and said, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm going back to Miami. What? You're doing what? There goes Erlinger. Bam. He's a strong kid. Good story about yeah, him, too. Tom Herman's you know, done Ur- a good job at Texas. I mean, after a questionable yes. start, and there was a lot of questions, and yeah, you know, he's got that this program falls, going in the right direction. This falls in line with your theory that, you know, the in bowl games like this, the team that gives a crap during the 20 days or whatever wins, Georgia didn't didn't care. Yeah, these three weeks, I mean, you know, I, I saw someone, uh, I don't I think it might have been Bruce Feldman, maybe it was somebody else, one of the national college writers, saying, right. you know, for all the tweeting that Georgia did on Saturday night, you'd think they'd come out and play a little better tonight. They did do a lot of tweeting. You're right about that. Yeah, during the uh, as uh, Oklahoma and Notre Dame were getting yeah. pummeled. Well, um, let's uh, let's talk about also. Uh, I don't know if we talked much about the UCF game. Uh, I I think this is the Mans LSU's role as the national champion. I was going to say UCF snap. no longer they can no longer uh, stake claim to back to back national championships. No, but LSU can certainly lobby somebody for it. Look, Ellis, and I don't want to hear this crap about like, oh, we're well, Mackenzie Milton. I get it. Mackenzie Milton, most important player on that field, or would have been today. He's the most valuable guy for either team. No question. Mackenzie Milton couldn't play. In fact, he's not going to play next year either, and God forbid. May never um, play again. You know, Who knows? He may never play again. I hope he does. They say that everything's gone well and that he should be back in 2020. Uh, okay, so that aside, uh, LSU was missing 12 players on defense. Mm-hmm. 12. They had nine guys that were out. They had a couple others that were tar- on targeting penalties that were ejected. Uh, two of them are all Americans that didn't play. LSU was playing their backups, folks. Think about this. Their backup defense was playing the entire game, okay, with the exception of one or two guys, dudes, as my friend Matt Baker would say. They had so many dudes that they were able to take on UCF without their quarterback, granted, but you know what? Daryl Mack's not the worst player I've ever seen. No, he really, he really isn't. And and I know it's you know what is all of three starts for him, but given the fact that he was playing against a defense that had never played before, basically just you know like eight guys, and they were they played wide receivers at corner before this game was over. That that's how that's how decimated they were in the defensive backfield. And look, UCF hung in there. They gave them a game. They're still making, you know, gunning for it at the end. Uh, they lost, I think, by a touchdown. But that the difference is, and I saw it tonight or today, the difference is that are could they be a power five school? Yeah, they'd be they'd be very competitive in a power five conference. I have no doubt about that. But are they at the elite national no. level? No. And the biggest the biggest difference is the defensive and offensive line. I'm telling you. The waves of offensive and defensive linemen that, and the depth that these teams have, LSU, uh, especially on defense, man, they beat up 
UCF's offensive line. Mm-hmm. I mean, beat them up. And and to me, that's that's just what's going to separate the men from the boys right there is that, you know, these, these teams have massive talents on the offensive and defensive lines. And UCF might have a few dudes. Uh, but they, they can't – and if you had to face that every week, at, you know, you play – so you play LSU, the next week you got Alabama. And the week after that you got Auburn, you know. It's different. Then you got Florida, you know. It's just different. And I think that's that's and, and so people were asking. Let me ask you this question: Do you think that this in any way hurt the argument to expand the playoffs? UCF losing to LSU today. If you want to make the playoff inclusive to give everyone a shot, then then the UCF argument can be made and and that. But the argument for expanding the playoff, if you truly want the best teams each season, not the best record, but the best teams was that Georgia and Ohio State probably both deserve to be in it this year. You and, got it. And that's work. the argument. It's that's not, the argument. UCF it's not is not UCF. the argument for expanding it. No, it's the Power 5 teams. If you're going to expand it and you want to keep a spot open to allow the non-Power One. 5 schools or that to, to secure a spot, I'm okay with that. Yeah, sure. You know, just like the March Madness, every conference gets a team in. No, right, I'm, which you know, is saying, what you should do. You know, I'm not saying, you know – College football should have every conference gets a team. But if you want to reserve a spot, if there's a team good enough like a UCF or, you know, somebody else, Houston a few years ago was on that path and then, you know, kind of failed at the end of the season. But if you want to reserve a spot for them, fine. But the argument mm-hmm. for expanding the playoff was Georgia and Ohio State this year. Absolutely. And and both those teams are in the class of Clemson and Alabama. I'm not saying they're better than, but they're programs. They're they're there. And mm-hmm. And what I would do, like I've heard somebody suggest this, I think it's a pretty good idea. Maybe you, maybe you and I talked about it. Maybe you suggested it. I'm not sure we can call it the Versnick rule. But like have the Power Five conferences determine who they want to send, however they want to do it. You know, you get one team from the SEC, one team from the Big Ten, one team from the Big 12, yep. and on and on. If they want to have conference champions, they can do it that way. If they want to go with the highest ranked team, they can do it that way. Let those well, for instance, this year had Northwestern beaten Ohio State in the, the Big Ten championship game. Maybe you don't want to send Northwestern. Maybe oh, you want to send Ohio go. State so may, or Michigan so, or Penn State. So you could say the highest ranked team. You could say yeah. we're just going to pick a team. You can do whatever you want. We don't care. Pick your team. We'll bring them to the tournament, okay? And and then we'll have one other team that's not a Power Five. Or, or maybe you have we'll, some at-large bids, too, where – you could, you know, if you got the Big Ten selects, you know, for instance, this year, you know, the SEC would have selected Alabama, Alabama, and then maybe Georgia, Georgia could have gotten an at-large, or LSU gets an at-large bid. Sure, you put them in an at-large pool, and then somebody else chooses them. But you still have to pick your 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 representative is blank Alabama, mm-hmm. okay, and then and you can put Georgia in another category as in a pool for the at-large at-large pick. But I would say, hey, Big Twelve, bring me whoever you want. I don't care. Because you're going to try to pick the best team. And if you want to do the highest ranked, it doesn't matter to me. So that would eliminate a committee. All you need a committee for is just to seed the teams. Yep. And, and you probably have some poll, some kind of poll process for that anyway. Um, so, yeah, it's not about UCF. Like, this, this does not change, you know, what UCF losing doesn't change the idea. Well, look, and at the end of the day, the playoff is going to expand for one reason and one reason alone. Money. Money, yeah. And UCF or Houston or Cincinnati or USF or any other BYU, any other non-Power 5 school that 
Boise State that, you know, maybe at some point can make a case that they should be in isn't bringing mm-hmm. the money in. No. It's of the not. Texases and the USC's and the Ohio State, the Ohio State and, and Alabama and Michigan and name the Blue Bloods. Yep. There you go. Those there are the programs. Go. And so Georgia and Ohio State both got left off this year. Those are Blue Bloods that bring in tons of money. And if they expanded, those two teams are in it. Right. This is the third straight year the Big Ten champion did not get in the playoff. Yeah. Now, Ohio State made it in two years ago and over Penn State, who was the champion. But when the Big Ten starts feeling like they're slighted, change can happen. If the SEC feels like they're getting slighted, change can happen. It's not going to be be the American Athletic Conference or any other conference. No. No. Nor should it. I'm sorry. Those teams aren't on the same level. And there's nothing wrong with that. You can have your own tournament if you want to. You know? I mean, it's, this is, you know, it's not, we're not playing basketball. I mean, I, I get, you know, what people love about March Madness is that, you know, 64 teams, Cinderella story, and every now and then you'll see one pop up in the Final Four, like UMass or something. You know what? I see Kentucky. I see Kansas. I see Duke. I see, you know, it's really not different when you yeah, get to the Final it, Four. There's very few runs to get, you know, through four games to get to the Final Four. Right. Occasionally, who, you'll get a George Mason through. Sure, but I mean, for the most part, who do you see in the Final Four? Mm-hmm. You see all the all the institutional powers in. I see Kentucky. You know, I mean, I, no one's bitching about that. You know, because everyone because you have sixty four teams and they all had an equal chance. Not really, because the programs aren't the same. They're just not. You know, so. Anyway, that was an interesting bowl game as well. Uh, I think we covered them all, at least the major ones anyway. The Outback Bowl was good at Raymond James Stadium. Iowa pulls out the win over Mississippi State, 27-22. Yep, right at the end. Fourth down stop there by Iowa, um, who comes to the Outback about every year. They had good weather this year. I was glad it didn't rain. You know, it's usually a rainy day. It was like 80 degrees. Yeah, last year was rainy. I remember going to the game. Oh, so many It was rainy in about 50 degrees or 55. Yeah. Yeah, this year was perfect weather. It's a lot. Yeah, it was downright sunny. Yeah, so I I enjoy and then of course Texas beat the crap out of Georgia, who didn't seem like they wanted to be there. Well, the game's yeah. not over as we're recording this, but well, that's true. They're beating the crap out of them right now. Yeah, yeah. Twenty-eight Which seven and twelve expect. minutes to go in the fourth. Yeah, I'll go ahead and make this prediction that you're listening to a day later, but I think the Texas won. That's what I think. So, spoiler meanwhile, alert. spoiler alert. Yeah. Sorry. Let's uh and I don't know the ending, so if it was the greatest comeback in college football history, then I look like a doofus. And he could go all the way with a kickoff. No, uh let's talk about your Tampa Bay Lightning, because the one thing I did on New Year's Eve, in addition to visiting with friends and, and having some uh, beverages, was watch your Tampa Bay Lightning not lose a single game in regulation, not for a couple weeks. Will they lose that will they ever lose again? That's the question. I don't know that they will. They went the entire month of December. Okay, there's 31 days in December, by the way. They went the entire month of December without losing in regulation. Are you kidding me? Who does that? Yeah, it's, it's, that's, it's the second time in franchise history they've done that. They yeah. have done it twice? Well, no. The, well, the other time they went a month without losing a game was October one year, and they went like 6-0-1. Oh, okay. Well, this so was like, like half a month because the season, started, the season starts like halfway through the month of October. So technically yeah. in a calendar month. But, yeah, never with this many games, of course. Stamkos, Kucherov on fire. Yeah, they are. Um, they yeah, they, they are. Uh, first time since uh, I want to look up the tweet from NHL PR. 
Uh, they're the first set of teammates to combine for 50 or more points in any calendar month since Yarmir Yager and Mario Lemieux were yeah, one of four pairs good... of teammates to do so in March of 2001. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good pairing. And then, they, you know, I'll, at least they cleaned up the defense a little bit. They, you know, they had won two games six to five back to back. And then, well, and Anaheim's, one, a, Anaheim's a team that can't score. They're a slow right. plotting. I mean, it, you know, if you remember the game, you know, here at Amelie Arena, Anaheim oh, yeah. beat the Lightning. I believe it was four to one, but it was two. It was really a two to one game. They got two goals late, sure. including an empty netter. Sure. But they won this one in overtime. Braden Point, I think it was, with the overtime goal. Yes, it was. Of, who else? Who else? That's all he does is score, you know, overtime and game winners. That's fine. If you look at his Everybody's career, got he's, a role. he's tremendous at that. Oh, no, he's tremendous at that. Yep. Yep. So, but, but yeah, the light, Lightning won't lose again this season. They may not. Looks and you joke, but hey. Well, I was telling you, there's, there's a theory in the NHL that, and, and it pretty much holds true 96 points gets you in the playoffs. If you can get to 96 points, I think only one team has ever, in the current setup, got to 96 points and not make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Lightning have 64 points through 40 games, which means they need 32 points in the next 42 games. They'll get it. They can play eight <laughs> games below Hockey 500 the rest of the season and make the playoffs if, if that math holds up this year. Yeah, it will. No, they're going to get – look, they're going to win the President's Cup, and that's not always a good thing in the history of the NHL to, to be the number one point-scoring team and and, and, uh, and then go to the playoffs that way with all the expectations. But they've had the expectations for the last several years, ever since they went to the Stanley Cup a few years ago. Um, and certainly, um, this is this is a different team. This this is a different team, man. It just feels it just, like they're on a mission. Yes, you know they're yes. they're confident, but not in a cocky way. But no, they know they're good, and they can get better. Yeah, they can get better. Oh, and they, they need to clean. Yeah, they, they you know you'll hear them talk all the time. They know what they have to clean up, and and just look at what they've improved on this year. I mean, as good as mm-hmm. they were last year, particularly in the regular season. But even you know, hey, they went to the game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. That's right. know, they were good in the playoffs, too. They've improved on the penalty kill. Mm-hmm. Their power play's gotten better. Face-offs. Face-offs, tremendously improvement, uh, particularly mm-hmm. Steven Stamkos, Cedric Paquette, and a few others. Uh, Jeff Halpern's mm-hmm. really helped on that. You know, yep. All the things you want them to improve on, they're improving yep. on. They've added yep. a little more grit to their game, you know, especially yeah, when you get guys more. like J.T. Miller, who they acquired last year at the trade deadline, Adam Ernie. Right. Adds a little more of that mm-hmm. to the lineup. Cedric Paquette seems like he's finally healthy. He's having a really good season. Yeah. Tried to get in a fight the other day. Yeah. That, I mean, that's you know, how you know he's healthy. They've got a little more. Uh, look, they're, they're never going to be what Anaheim is or, you know, the, the L.A. Kings from the last few seasons and, you know, a heavy team. They're not. They're a fast team. But they've added a little more sandpaper, let's say. When, when you look at yeah. Adam Ernie compared to, you know, whoever else was on that line, Corey Conacher last year. And you look at JT Miller compared to Vlad Nemestikov, who was traded for each other last year as part of that trade. You know, they, yeah. have, they have a little more. Eric Chernak adds some sandpaper on the back end. Yeah. You know, I, I just I think their holes are, Steve, though, is that they give up too many good scoring chances. And it was good to see him like hold that down after two six to five games. But they are such fast skaters and they want to push everything so up, you know, that sometimes I think they take. They're goaltending for granted, and he bails them out a lot, which would, which would only make you want to do it more. I think um, they take but, a lot of chances trying to get the puck out of their zone. Is that where you think it is? I think I, it's scoring, and they just leave them, leave them hanging out to dry. Well, I, I, th- I, think, I think they're, they're always trying to make that long stretch pass or the cute pass, the, sure. the, the perfect pass. Tr- Sometimes they don't take the easy play. They're trying to make the fancy play 
trying yeah. for a spectacular highlight. And it, it, it yeah. and look, they can do it for two reasons. One, they have a great goalie behind them that they mm-hmm. know has their back. And two, they mm-hmm. know they can score a lot of points. And, right. and they don't panic. You know, yeah. The question is, is as you get towards March and April, can they are are they willing and able to do less of that and take less of those chances? Well, they have to when the playoffs go. I mean, look, they have to. The regular season at this point, it's it's pretty much a foregone conclusion they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, right. it would be a it would be a historic collapse if they don't make the playoffs. Sure. I mean, no, they're making it. May not, yeah. you know, if they have some issues. They may not, you know, take the president's trophy. Fine, but they're going to make the playoffs. You think? Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, some of it, and we saw it some last year, too, when they got off to a huge lead early, that they almost played a little bored at times. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a long 82-game season, and all we're trying to do is get to the playoffs. And we're right. going to make it. I mean, at some point, well, if you, it, it's natural for that to set in, too. And it's going to be remember, curious how this team challenges themselves to keep them engaged. Remember, at the end of last season, there was real concern because they were playing like crap. And then it was like, well, wait a minute. Is there such a thing as flipping a switch? Is there a second? Yeah. Yeah, they kind of did. There was. <laughs> <laughs> they they knew, and they weren't that interested at the end, so they they yeah. coasted home. And then oh, and New Jersey's going to give them problems. Well, they dominated all five games, and they sure. lost one game because they kind of fell apart in the third period with penalties and everything else. And sure. And then you know, oh Boston, this is good. You know, Tom Jones predicting Boston was going to win the series, and everyone hates Tom Jones for it. And who the Lightning pretty much dominated that series. I kid because I love Tom Jones. Headed to Pointer Institute soon. Yes, heading there for retirement. No, wait, is that a real job? It actually is. It better be for what they're paying them. (laughs) Maybe maybe we'll try to get them on the podcast this week, see how the new job's going. The Pointer Institute, it does, well, they own us, so I can't really, there's no, I mean, it's a really well run, I mean, I don't know if you've ever had a chance to be down in that building, it's gorgeous, by the way, it's down on the Bayfront, and um, they're, uh, they're connected, I mean, these they are a, they are a journalism think tank and uh, do a lot of different things with uh, newsmakers around the world. And but it really sounds um, official. The Pointer Institute. The Pointer Institute. Welcome to the Pointer Institute of Technology. No, it's not technology. It's just Pointer Institute. So yeah, Tom said it there. Um, I don't know where we got on the subject of Tom, but Tom said you said something. No, right? about Boston, about last year in the playoffs. Oh yeah, also yeah, Boston was going to give the Lightning problems, and and you know, look, Boston's well, the a very only good ones team, that did. The only the only ones that did were the Capitals, and it took them, you know, game six and seven, and, yeah. they, and the Lightning they, still they had, had a three games to two lead in that series. They did. It wasn't. It was a little. I mean, fluky, even though but, Washington was outplaying them in the series, the Lightning still yeah. found a way to be up three to two. But you know, Ovechkin willed his team to that victory, and they were they they had been denied many times before and, and they weren't going to be denied this time and that was and you that hope that's obvious. the lightning this year that's steven stamkos and that's Victor stamkos Hedman and kucherov, and, kucherov yeah. and hedman they got to put everybody on their backs and that's what you that i think listen if you weren't watching and since you got you were the ones that were that close and didn't make it i'm sure that left a, quite an imprint on the, on on the lightning that you know what this is what you have to play absolutely you have to be so desperate and so driven and so Relentless that you're not going to be denied, and that's exactly what the Caps were. Well, and the don't Caps, forget those three of the, the three of the last four years as they were in the playoffs, they missed the one year. They lost yeah. to the Stanley Cup champion every year. Right. Right. I mean, no, they're close. Know, oh, they're close, and they're seeing exactly what it takes to win. And you know, this yeah. team just it, it it feels a lot different, and, and for all be- the right good reasons. 
It does because you just they they it's winning when it's winning time they yeah. they just do it. But there's the a maturity it to it. There's a confidence. You know, there's a calmness. A yeah. Calmness. There's you know it just it just feels. You know, and yet we're only halfway through the season. The halfway point actually will be after Thursday's game in Los Angeles. But no, yeah. it, it feels as good as they were last year, and as as much as we talked about that last year, this team feels so much different. Yeah, they're rolling. They're definitely rolling. So we've got a lot to talk about this week. Uh, the Lightning, of course, will be back in action. Um, maybe we'll get Diane Neros on here before long. Maybe next week sometime. We're going to talk to Matt Baker. Uh, hopefully, our college football writer about these we'll have bowl, him on tomorrow's podcast. Yes, fantastic, and we'll have him uh, to talk about the national championship uh, coming up on Monday between Alabama and Clemson, round four. It's going to be a great one, I think. These two teams are so evenly matched. Um, then we got the Bucks coaching search, which is just going to continue on and on. You'll get the latest on TampaBay.com. I'll be hitting refresh and and looking for, according to my sources, the Buccaneers most likely probably going to almost certainly. Interview a coach one day. Um, we don't know which day, but someday. And then uh, hopefully it won't be a 36-day thing, but somewhere between now and uh, February they'll have a head coach. Do we have to look for white smoke at what the yeah, Advent Health well. Center or whatever it's called now? Well, there might be some white smoke. I'm not sure it's going to be – well, never mind. I, I can't talk <laughs> – can't, I can't go there. I really can't go there about players who may be on their way out of town. Um, anyway, so thanks for listening, uh, to us. And remember, uh, listen, if you got some time on the holidays or even if you don't, you want to go on a weekend, uh, a getaway for your family, do this because this is, um, really important. Go to, uh, Mike swimming with the manatees in crystal river. I have done this is, is one of the most greatest experiences for your kids and for your family, uh, to go up to, uh, to, to Mike's. Here's what you do. You just have to go to swimmingwiththemanatees.com and you can make reservations there or you can call 352-571-1888 so lots to talk about with the Bucks coaching search course the bowl games we'll do all of that and Matt Baker uh, on tomorrow's podcast for Steve Versnick I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times have a great day everybody Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.